How many people did that song bring back, uh, like, memory? I saw Reba. You kind of liked it. <laughs> How many other? Yeah, okay. How many people have never heard that song before? <laughs> really? We're old. I'm old. <laughs> um, Mike had asked me to speak today out of the, he was in Ephesians and Fathers, and he said, would you give a message about fathers? Um, so I said I would, and that's where we're here today. But that song, just uh, I came across it, and it's actually kind of depressing, isn't it? It's really sad. Um, we'll have a good time then. Um, but we're not going to be sad today. Dads, from this day on, you have a great opportunity to do something special with your kids and grandkids and Great-grandkids, we out there that sage yet? Someone, okay. Um, but what that song does tell us is the power of a dad. Good or bad, there's tons of power in a dad. Um, and whether you like it or not, if you're a man and you have children, you got that power. You have that power. Um, and so that's, ugh, that's a big responsibility, awesome responsibility. Um, but it's the way God planned families. Um, he, he said in Exodus for the fathers to sit and walk and teach their children as they do all of those things. So um, I just lost my place. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to take a little break from Ephesians. And um, I'm actually going to be in uh, James today, and I don't even have a scripture. It's been kind of a crazy week. Things haven't gone as planned. Um, but dads absolutely have a great power. And in that song it described, did you pick up the, the birth? He learned to walk. He learned to talk. He was 10 years old. And okay, all you old people, how many can remember your kids growing up and like it flashed by and you look back and think, how did that go so fast? And you young ones with the ones in the nursery, you're saying, how can it go faster? <laughs> no, maybe not, but it will. It will. Uh, my daughter had an interesting post I liked on Facebook. She said she got mad when people would, or didn't like it, when people would say, oh, the years will go by fast. Because she's got three at home, and she's thinking, ugh. Um, but somebody in that said, well, don't remember the hard times or the bad times. Remember the good and make sure when, you know, when your children are playing well or do something, make sure you remember and focus on that time just as much as the, the bad times you have. So we all go through these stages with our children. But you know, dads, it's really more of who we are that determines the effects we can have on our offspring. More of who we are um, determines what you have. And the words in that song, when I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he had grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. 
So let's make that a positive thing today, though, in your life. Exemplify Christ and goodness and love and all those mercy, all those attributes in your life so that your child will grow up just like you. Um, research from the state of or you know, Michigan State University confirms that a father's role as a parent goes far beyond simply being a breadwinner. It is important and the evidence findings are strong, a strong reminder that every father has a life-altering responsibility to take care of his own psychological and spiritual well-being in order to nurture and foster the well-being of his children. So uh, today I don't want you to, you know, sometimes you've been a father and you think, oh, I should have done this, this, this. I wish I would have done more of that, less of that, da da da, da. Let's not go that way. Let's look ahead. What are the possibilities of the future. What is the possibility? What are the possibilities? Um, one of the best stories in the Bible, I think, about a father's love is the prodigal son. He left, he rebelled, and his dad said, Dad, you're an old man, no good. Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna figure out life for myself. I got it. Not only that, he said, Dad, give me half your money. What would happen if your son or daughter came to you and said, give me half the money, I'm gonna go waste it. But he did that. Um, but then in later it says, but while he, the son, was still a long way off, the father saw him. I think that shows the compassion of a father. We once went to a, a Berea missionary church over in Shipshawana, and there was a lady there who was old at that time, really old, and her, Mrs. Smith, and her husband was involved in ministry. I think he was a minister. And she, as an old, old lady, said, you know, I used to have all the answers and no kids. She says, now I've had 10 kids and I don't have any answers. <laughs> and that's the way it is in being a father. I, I can't give you pat answers, exact answers. You got to figure that out, but you got to figure it out to be a father. Um, so today, we're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. And I'm going to, it's a general passage, but I'm going to apply it directly to fathers. I don't have it up here, so you're going to have to actually dig in your Bible, or there's Bibles in front of you. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religious religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows 
in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. As fathers, we need to understand and focus on the goal of to strive to be the best father we can. And James, from James, I'm going to pull out uh, six different points that can help us be the best father. But one of the critical issues of being a father is absolutely you can't be hypocritical about it. None of us are perfect. None of us are the worst. We got to not be hypocritical. Move from where we're at. Um, if you try to live these things in a way that kids and people around you will see it, it won't work, especially with your kids. They know exactly who you are and what you are. There's no kidding them. Um, so you have to learn to live it uh, with yourself. Okay, so I've used the word father. And our first point, and I made up some words here, but hopefully they'll help you stick in your mind. A father must have filthlessness in his life. This is the first element to strive for as a father. And coming out of verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word. This is one criteria. And it's interesting that it says get rid of all. There's not a percentage here. It's to get rid of all. And it's very careful to get involved in the wrong things. It's easy. But we are to get rid of all of them. Get rid of all the filthiness in your life is, an, is a choice. Now, what, what is that? It can be all kinds of things. Um, there's the whole pornography issue. There's your thought life. There's your actions. But it can even be much more subtle things um, in your life. So we need to get rid of things. If you have things in your life that bring about immoral thoughts or actions, you need to get rid of those. And that's what it says here, get rid of them. Maybe that's the internet, maybe that's the TV, uh, maybe that's books. We need to get rid of those things. Or it can even be hard issues of working on complaining or jealousy, deceit, uh, rebelliousness. The words we use, the words we speak, are any of them considered filthy? The stories we tell, get rid of all filthless, or be filthlessness. That should be an example of a dad. Somebody that does not have any, any kind of filth in their lives. Um, and this tells us in here that one way of doing that is to have a daily quiet time in the word and to be in the word and humbly accept the word that is planted in you. Anybody in here consider themselves a gardener, plant person? You know, you plant these things and you expect them to grow. That's what it, the illustration is here. That is planted in you and it's expected to grow. Um, and again, we can't all be at the top of the top bar right away. It takes time. It takes growth. It takes energy for us to begin to have victory over these things in our lives that would be considered uh, filth or, or uh, evil. But... If you want to be a good influence on your children, you need to do that because they will pick it up. They will know it. They will, they will catch on. Um, we just can't hide anything from our kids. So be pure in your life. Be filthlessness. Uh, the second point, A, angerlessness. Okay, dads, 
How many of you have taken the hammer and punched it into the wall or threw it across the room? Okay, you won't raise your hands, but yeah. Um, this is a tough one for us men sometimes, to be, to be angerless. Everybody feels anger at different times and to varying degrees. It's simply a part of the human experience. Feelings of anger can arise in different contexts. Experiencing unjust treatment, hearing criticism, or simply not getting what you, what you want. These are a few of the potential triggers. Anger is something that we really have to, to work with. You know, they actually say that uh, anger is a secondary emotion, that many people don't realize that, that it is, and typically it's a primary emotion, maybe fear or sadness or loss of control that produces anger. But um, verses 19 and 20 tell us that... Um, be slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. We need to be very, very careful when we get angry that it doesn't either explode or quietly fume and cause problems between us and our children and our grandchildren or our spouses, but for fathers especially with their children, be careful with your anger. And dads, probably the biggest thing you need to remember and I need to remember is when we do get mad and maybe spank the kid a little too hard or speak harshly uh, or get out of line in our anger, we do need to go back to that kid and say, hey, you know, I, I was wrong in that. Um, they might have been wrong in what they were doing, but you need to punish them or correct them or disciple them in the right way and not in anger. And you know, God has made, God has given fathers all this responsibility, but somehow kids have this great capacity to say, it's okay, dad, you know, you messed up terrible, but it's okay. That's how we hear these stories of children when their dad is really a bad person. They keep coming back and they want to be with that, their dad. They want to have that relationship with them. So when we mess up, once or twice or however many times it is, it's, it's a much bigger deal to us, I think, than it is to our children. Our children are easy to forgive, easy to move on, but we need to make sure we do that so there's no bitterness or resentment or things build up in a child's life. Try to be angerlessness in your life, but realize that when you do get angry and do act in a wrong way to your child, that you can take care of it by just simply uh, asking them for forgiveness. Um, and so when you lose control or do things badly, say things you shouldn't, make sure that you ask your children for forgiveness for your anger and learn to control your anger. So to be a father, you need to have filthlessness, angerlessness, and then for the T, it is a tamed tongue. Um, coming up, I tried to come up with a T, so that's the best I could do. But coming out of verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. You need to have a tamed tongue. Anybody tame an animal of any sort? Have you ever had to tame a dog, horse, cow? <laughs> Some people do have to train your cows and 4-H and stuff. Um, that's the way our tongue should be. 
And in here, it uses the illustration of a horse. Think of the size of a horse. Yeah, I think a regular riding horse is about 1,200 pounds. And if you had a bridle and a bit, I don't know, you might have 20 pounds, 15, 20 pounds of equipment. But you put that little bit on a horse and you can control it. Um, that's the, the whole illustration here that we need to, we need to tame our tongues um, and to be careful of what we say, especially to our children. <clears throat> the tongue of a father can bring such encouragement to a child and such discouragement. Do any of you have a memory in your life? You were doing something, you were trying something, you were competing in something, and dad said something, and those words still stick in your mind? That's the power of a dad to say, you can do it, go get it. You can, you can uh, accomplish this. And even, um, even with older children, when your children are married or they're out of the house, you can't control them or tell them what to do anymore. I mean, they're making decisions. But in that, you can really encourage them. You know, encourage them when they're making good decisions or just the fact that they're they're there and married and have kids and financial problems. Just give them some encouraging words as a dad, even to your adult kids, that they're going to make it. It's going to be all right. They're doing a good job. Um, they're, they're following through with it. So number three in a father is to have a tamed tongue. Um, just be really careful when, when uh, pressures come, stress, fear, sadness, that we don't say the worst things or have outbursts with our tongue. So uh, that's the third one. Fourth one in verse 19, you need to be a good hearer. And I had to use hearer because of H instead of listener, but the same hearer. You need to be a good hearer. Um, this, this comes out of verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. There's some people that are quick to listen, but I think the majority of us are pretty quick to give our answer, give our opinion, help this person understand what their problem is. We got it figured out. We got it. I go back to that lady who said, uh, I had no kids and all the answers. Now I have 10 kids and I don't have any answers. Um, it's much more important to listen than to, to speak. Uh, you may have heard of Stephen Covey. Covey has his book of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And um, he talks about being able to choose and do today what will get you to what you want to be at the end. But one of those is, the fifth one is, seek first to understand, then be understood. Isn't that a good thing of listening? Seek first to totally understand what they're saying, why they're saying it, what their issue is, where they're coming from. Seek first to understand when your children are teenagers and they do the dumbest thing in the world. Seek first to, un why did you, seek first to understand and then be understood. Um, that's a very important one. And even if you have adult kids that are doing something that you just don't like, seek first to understand and then be understood. Actually, the verse here uh, has an emphasis on 
the quantity of listening. Listen a lot. Spend a lot of time listening. Listen a lot. Um, fathers, how can you listen a lot? Well, our children are in different stages of life, but you know, if, if you're on a, if you have young children, dads, I would encourage you to get down on the floor and play with your kids. Get right down where you can hear what's going on in their lives, even if they're not really talking. Maybe it's a, a you know, you got the boy making the truck sounds. You know, they say that boys at a certain age, only half of what comes out of their mouth is verbal words. The other 40% is just sounds. They have girls, it's about all words. <laughs> but get right down on the floor, make the sound with them. Be into their life. And that's a sense of hearing. When they get older and they actually can express themselves with words, then listen to them. See what they're saying. Um, be a good hearer in your life. Uh, when, when, when you are the judge in their life, listen a little bit first. When you are the nurse in their life, still listen. And when you are the counselor in their life, still be a good hearer. Listening is so important and it's so easy just to jump to our conclusion and give them the answer. But we really, really, really need to listen. Um, the next point, the E, is an eager doer. Um, coming from verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word, but, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to a word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looked like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Um, so be a doer of the word. The word do is used a bunch of times in those verses I just, just read. Do what the word says. Live your faith at home and live your faith in front of your children. Um, spend time with them. Get into their lives. Um, be a part of their lives. So be an eager doer of the word in front of them. And it gives us the illustration here of the mirror. How many people looked in a mirror this morning? How many people look different now than what you did when you first looked in the mirror this morning? <laughs> I mean, did you see the whiskers or did you see the hair? Did you see the baggy eyes? Uh, that's the whole illustration here. Most of you saw something in the mirror that you didn't like this morning or wasn't good enough and you changed it around before you came here. Be an eager doer. Do the things that are going to make a difference um, and live out the perfect law in the things that you do. When the Spirit and the Word set up a mirror in front of you, do something about it. When the Spirit and or the Word set up a mirror in front of you, do something about it. Dads, if you got adult kids, young kids, and right now something kind of is staring you in the mirror, you're staring at something in the mirror and saying, I really need to, what? Do something about it. The last one is religious. Now, this is usually a negative term. Somebody's religious. We don't like that. Well, it uses the word religious here in Scripture um, to say that, that what God defines as religion the outward religious activities that a dad does are very good. 
Now the heart has to be there and be behind it. So if it's religion without the heart, eh, that's no good. That's being hypocritical and you, all kids are going to see right through that. But uh, if, it's, if it's with the heart, it is good to have outward observances. Um, some of you, we talked in Sunday school, some of you know that Becky's uncle died this week, uh, Paul Lauchs, who actually preached right here for, I think, a couple years when it was a missionary church. And uh, he lives up by the Speedway on State Road 15. And Wednesday night, his son-in-law went to visit him because they couldn't get a hold of him. And he walked in, found him dead. Um, I just how the Lord works. I was here at six o'clock for a meeting, went to um, Wakarusa for our grandkids' special meeting at their church on Wednesday night, Awana, and I was coming home and on US 20, and I got the call from Larry saying, hey, Uncle Paul's passed away. Well, I was five minutes from the house, so I could pull up there and, and help him. I mean, it was, police had to come. Uh, he'd been dead. they pretty sure he died Saturday, and this was Wednesday, so it wasn't pretty at all. Uh, uh, but he didn't care. It's we that think, oh, that was, he was dead and in heaven and, you know, he, he didn't care. Um, but in that, you walked in the house and to be honest, the smell was not pretty at all. It just wasn't a good thing. But he had a, a lazy boy in the living room and a 1950 TV, metal TV tray right beside it. But on that was his Bible. And he read it every day. Um, so this idea of being religious, have your Bible in front of you, be praying. Religious has a negative term, but to be doing those things, what a great example you set as a dad. Um, so he died with his Bible. I think it was open to Luke, something about the resurrection, Easter time. And I got thinking he was probably reading it because Easter's coming. Um, anyway, so there's nothing wrong with being religious. Um, setting those examples for your kids. So, dads, it's a big, big task to do all this. Um, and when you think, okay, it's such a big thing, I'm just going to throw out some random thoughts I had about making your relationship with your children special. When they're little... Tickle them. I don't know if you have any memories of that, but be in their lives. Um, or one that I get in trouble for sometimes is chasing them. Our house happens to have a circle in the middle, so it's with the grandkids. You can chase them, and you can keep running and running and running. And, but get into your kid's life. What are the possibilities with your kids? Dads, take the time to put your kids to bed. You probably can every night or maybe not all, but put your kids to bed. And when you're doing that, um, tell them a story. Spend some time with them. Uh, just be there. That's a, that's a, a great little time, great time. If you're a terrible storyteller, which I am, uh, my crazy grandkids, when they're over, the young ones, they always ask me to tell the story of the three little pigs. And I can tell that one. <laughs> I can't make up anything, but uh, so just tell them a story. Um, be a part of their lives. Read books to them. What another great thing. Get in their lives with reading books. I, re I remember uh, uh, one daughter loved, somehow we got started on the Little House on the Prairie. 
So over the course of probably two years, at nighttime before bed, I had to read that whole seven book series to her. Um, but we still talk about that, and she's 35. So, um, Another thing, adults, think about what makes your kids feel loved. We've been studying love languages in Sunday school or whatever it is. You know, I, I have one daughter that probably once a month or once every other month, I'll just text her and I say, coffee. She'll text back and say, okay. Well, that means at 6 o'clock the next morning, we're going to meet at the electric brew and we're going to have an hour to sit and talk and have some coffee. Dads, you got older daughters, older sons. What can you do? Just get together, especially if you know they would enjoy that. Um, take vacations. I once heard a Christian psychologist or somebody, I don't know if it was Gary Chapman or somebody else, he said he did a big study on successful families. What makes successful families? What could it be? Da, da, da. He said the only thing that boiled down to a common denominator was family vacations. He said he found that in every successful family. So take time to get away with your family. Um, again, just some more random thoughts. Get on the floor with your kids. Play with them when they're little. Be a part. Dad, the little tea set is sitting on the little table there. Try to fit your rear end on that little seat. And <laughs> sip the little cup and say how wonderful the tea is and all that kind of stuff. Get into their lives. Enjoy it. Um, so, you're a father. Look at these things we talked about today. Hopefully you've written them down. Be encouraged about what you are doing. Be encouraged about what you have done, what you have accomplished in the past. But look ahead. Okay, what else could I do? What could it be an encouragement to my adult kids? What could be an encouragement to my grandkids? What could be an encouragement to my six-month-old or my six-year-old that I have right now? Where can I go? And what is your heart? Where is your heart in this? On these six things you see up there. The key is for you to be you, but you should be these. And make sure that you have your heart right and you will set the right example in front of your kids um, when you have the, your, your heart in the right place. Um, and in the end, your kids might disappoint you. There might be terrible things. But end with this, the thought of the prodigal son. He was nasty to his dad. I mean, I'm reading between the lines. But... Dad, I'm out of here. I don't like you. I'm going to ignore everything you've taught me. I'm going to ignore everything you provided for me. Give me half the money, and I'm out of here. And then, when he was still a long way off, his dad saw him. Let's close in prayer.